and my world turned upside down i was just like this is not happening it's like fucking wait pinch me wake, wake me the fuck up this is not happening and i i, I still remember getting home and i sat with my wife I sat with, I pulled my two kids, we sat at the dining room table, and I said that this is what dad's going to go through. And I woke up the next day and I said, okay, let's get focused. And there was no thought process of like, I'm going to quit. There was no quit. There was, it was a pure polar opposite. It was like, okay, what do I need to get this done? I didn't need pity. I didn't need people to feel sorry for me. I didn't need to be a victim. I needed to survive and strive through the whole process. And the only way I could do that is, is to focus myself and I, and I should be proof of what you could do. So that is where I was. And um, now, hey everyone, I'm Jeff Lopes, host of the Jeff Nozine podcast. And you got to catch me on the MMA minefield on the Don't Tap Network. We have father, husband, entrepreneur, podcaster, mentor, and now survivor. You are an inspiration at many different levels, man. You sort of were part of the inspiration of me starting the podcast the way I did. Initially, I started fighting the dad. I wanted to have these longer conversations, and I just, for whatever reason, it didn't really work for me. I, I couldn't really work up the, the, I guess, the confidence or whatever to continuously have these conversations and put them out there, I think. And we went easily to the breakdown side of things, and I watched you continue to flourish with your podcast and push and just talk to everybody, man. You've had everybody on your podcast. You've had, like, uh, what, politicians. You've had entrepreneurs. You've had activists, survivors. You've had people from like what MMA fighters. You've had past, um, you know, pro uh, wrestlers as well too. Um, your podcast, you, you've sort of reached out to everybody and, and sort of been able to tap into the thought process and the lives and the stories of so many people. What drives that interest for you, man? It's conversation, right? I've always been a curious person. I I, I just love hearing people's journey and story, and every single person has a story. Whether it's you, whether it's me, everybody has their own story. And and I love hearing their stories and their journeys and the process to getting to where they got to, right? And that 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 thing in me just to hear these stories and 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 wanting to learn more as much as I can, because I always like learning as much as I can, allows me to just have great conversations with people. And it's not like I'm picking. I only want to deal with these with entrepreneurs. Right? It started off as, an, off as an entrepreneurial podcast, and yep. and it slowly progressed into just interesting people with great stories and what got them there. How do they survive? How do they achieve? How do they become? How do they deal with loss? How do they deal with depression? How do they deal with anxiety? Like it's just hearing people's stories, and I think every single conversation, there's somebody out there that that could impact. That could help and that was my mindset when i started that that process of switching it over to just people's stories and and now we're on god episode we recorded yesterday episode like 215 or something like that and it's it's grown to something i never thought would ever grow like our the, the podcast we released this week is on the the actual paul um hutchinson the individual that worked with tim bollard that went into these missions that the movie Sound of Freedom is based on. And our t my, I have one TikTok post that's hit over 100,000 views in a matter of four days. And it has thousands of comments and thousands of saves. And it's because it's an impactive story that people need to hear. And I am so proud that I was able to be an advocate for something like that. Because as a dad, like who ever would ever hurt a child just should be punished. 
and um and be honest i i, I have that mindset of put down be honest anybody that's going to hurt a child so it's just that having that impact and be able to share those stories and and allow my audience to grow and have something relatable to listen to yeah and I, that's still podcast i still haven't had a chance to listen to yet and i'm looking forward to listening to but that that is a a topic that gets the blood boiling right as a dad um definitely there's just no if ands or buts about it like what you would do go to the end of the earth and do what you, whatever you need to do so to see stories where people are fighting to stop situations like that it's just it's 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 there's so many documentaries out there and you, you just don't even want to it's hard to dive into those things it's hard yeah. to, to watch some of these things but it is it's necessary to understand what's going on um, it's what, what's going on even locally so. i mean you're you're local with me here like two of my closest friends are sergeants one in york region one in peel region and the amount of of kids getting abducted and sex trafficking that's happening here in ontario you have no effing clue these guys tell me these stories like it's there's guys that are literally teams of guys criminals that are that are so focused on finding young teenage girls on social media that are depressed that are that are they're doing posts about what they're 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 angry with their parents they, they target these girls and they slowly build their trust and before they build it once they build their trust they lean them in and within months they're somewhere else sex trafficking these girls and they pull everything away from them. and this happens and what happens is you don't hear these stories because a lot of these are reported as runaways so this is happening and what they do is they even go to shelters they find they find women's shelters and they drive by to see which which young girls are coming in that week and then they find they have one guy that's decent looking that goes out there and starts giving me attention hey let me buy you a coffee let me buy, give me some clothes and it starts like that and before you know it they have they're they're gone and this is happening every single day and no one hears about it so don't and thank think god there's people working in, behind the scenes to make things like yeah, this yeah 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 this is not something that's happening in hollywood this is not something that's just happening in south america where the movie is based on this is happening worldwide and it has to and it's got to be brought to light right i mean this is it's, it's a crazy it's absolutely insane like i have a 17 year old daughter and it's like I, I, her even walking down the street I, I i get anxiety i'm like call me make sure you're calling me when you're there we have we have an app to see my 17 year old where she's walking on my phone just make sure she's got to her where she's going or she's taking the gone to work she's going there like these are all things 25, 30 years ago. No. My parents never thought of. Yep. Right? And I'm sure there was crimes going on, but now the internet has escalated to another level of criminal activity because there's so much profit in there. And one thing that Paul talked about is like in the next five to 10 years, sex trafficking is going to take over every single criminal activity in profit because you sell a drug once, it's gone. A female or a male in sex trafficking, you can sell them 5, 10, 15 times in a day. So think of how much more money they can make. And that's how sickening it is. But that's the reality of it. And it's, and it's, and it's something that's impacting the whole world. It's a wild, wide, a worldwide issue. And that's not, the only thing it's getting is bigger by the numbers every single day. And movies like Sound of Freedom bring light to it and apparently like oh, we we're just talking about this in the, in the office like it's supposed to be only in selected theaters but it's like breaking numbers because you're getting individuals like dana white you're getting individuals like mel gibson um people that have some form of platform pushing it and it's really helped 
um, bring the movie to another level and it's bringing more awareness. Everybody that watched that movie, one way or another is being impacted and, and, and change is going to slowly start to happen more and more by something like this, right? I know you've talked to so many people now, and this is the the most recent podcast that you talked about. What's the most impact? Is this now po- possibly the most impactful podcast that you? Yeah, as a dad, I would of? say. I would say as a dad, yeah, as a dad, um, I've had um, even before I was diagnosed with cancer. I guess we'll dive into that today as well. But I've had uh, cancer survivors. I've had um, people with dr- dramatic, like life changing experiences. I've had Zion Clark on. Um, the uh, collegiate wrestler that uh, had the number one uh, short doc viewed um, uh, documentary short uh, short film on YouTube on uh, Netflix for years um, on and his story is so impactful. Um, he was born with essentially half a body, just his upper upper torso, and he went on to um, uh, be an incredible collegiate wrestler, uh, Division One, and. Uh, and and his story was so impactful, right? And this is a kid that went from foster home to foster home. No one wanted him, and 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 look where he is in his life now. So there's, I've had so many great stories like that, right? But um, this one, as a dad, I think really hits close to home, and 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 is one that I really, really tried to push and promote because I, I, it's one that awareness is is the start of of correcting this issue and bringing it to people's attention, people that are not aware of it, allowing them more millions and millions of people in this world that are aware of it they're going to be there's a lot more eyes are going to be open a lot more um people that could help to make change right and as a as a dad myself even you talking about your daughter going out like i i can't even think about that and wrap my head around that as my daughter gets older so and and i'm lucky i was i, I was just talking about this with somebody just recently where um i've i always have had an incredible relationship with my kids i'm I, i'm the dad that my 15 and 17 year old want to hang out with all the time still like my my daughter my son are just like they want to be with dad all the time and which teenager wants to do that so i work out with them still every day we go on bike rides we go on trips we're always together we're shopping we're always doing something together and um because i started that from a very young age i it's allowed us to have that um that open, honest relationship. So I know where they are. Uh, they're honest with me. They tell me everything. And um, I'm very open. My, my daughter now has a boyfriend. And at first I was like, ah, oh, but I'm like, let's, let's be open with it. Let's be honest with it and allow her to feel comfortable and trust me through the process. And as a dad, I've allowed that to happen. And because of that, um, God, we're, we're incredibly close. And, and me knowing that it allows me to also as a dad to be more it allows that extra layer of protection because I know everything was happening in their lives at all times. They're not hiding shit from me. So I think it's very important for parents, even yourself as a young dad, to um, start from a very young age, having those open relationships and an open conversation. And 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 be honest, I, I have almost a, more of a friendship relationship with my kids than Ashley's dad. And I, and, I, and I love it. I love having that because it allows us to just want to hang out at all times, right? Yeah, and I, I've sort of had started a little thing with my daughter where, you know, if her and I are out on the swing, I'll sort of, hey, so how you doing? And, and try to have that talk conversation that just her and dad have. Yeah. She can actually maybe try to feel comfortable telling me some things. And I know her and her mom have those conversations pretty regularly. It's it's sort of a mom and, mom and daughter thing. But uh, it's just good for me to try to, you know, just get her to be as open and honest as possible and just make sort of lay that, that, uh, that table for her so she can actually feel comfortable talking to me. So. Yeah. yeah, no, I appreciate that. That's uh, it, it's a, a delicate thing. Uh, a girl dad trying to make sure that you're you're operating 
the, the right way it's uh, and communicating and making sure that you're not overstepping bounds, but also setting proper boundaries. So, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a thin line. But I mean, once you start mastering it and, and you start from a very young age, it gets it gets it gets pretty simple. Now, for you, that is one of the things that I, I did admire about you online. And, you know, you can see what people do online. You can see, you know, people put pictures up and whatever else. But there's genuine, like, consistent reels and, like, going to the cottage and, and helping your, your son with pitching and spending time with your daughter. And, and there's, you're constantly posting these things, and you're, you're very open about it. And the reality of the fact is, is you as a dad, you're very, very active as a father. You know, and that's something I think that a lot of people admire that have followed you on social media. Um, it is sort of interwoven into your business model as you know, entrepreneur and someone who's helped entrepreneurs as well, too, because um, you, you get the plight of the father. You get the plight of the, the young male and, and the idea of the thought process and and the struggles that people have. And, and, and that's actually where I want to go back to, actually, the beginning. I want to go back to Jeff, the Jeff that even I actually even met years and years ago um, at uh the UFC fan fan uh, expo many, many years ago at the table, Kimura Ware. So you start Kimura Ware. I want to hear a little bit more about that, the origins of that and how that all, all came about. Oh God, we're going on to almost 18 years. I mean, uh, we're 17 and a half years when that company started and I've always been an entrepreneur. I've been an entrepreneur for 20 something plus years. And, um, and I always dabbled into companies. I would build something try to sell it or it wouldn't work out. And, and like anything you have, positives you have negatives as an entrepreneur you, you stack up what you're trying to stack up more wins and losses and that's where i was at that point i saw the ufc um starting to take off at that point it was 2000 it was Jan it was actually 2015 fall of 2015 and i i said listen like uh, i want to see where this could go i saw the potential there and and i started with an apparel company and i was one of the first apparel companies to um to hit that fighting market and um we did that for maybe about a year and at one point we had 26 waco shirts for ufc fighters and we were we were on all the toys on the on those uh actual toys in the ufc selling at walmart and all that stuff but i realized very quickly that um bigger brands like tap out and flexion were coming in and throwing tons of money towards these athletes and as a small brand um, I, I was going to get impacted by that and i realized very quickly and as an entrepreneur um, I had to pivot and, and I quickly pivoted into slowly, I would say slowly, it was pretty quickly. We pivoted into, um, equipment and fast forward 17 and a half years. Um, most of those brands are, are all gone and, uh, we're still here thriving. I mean, we're, I would say we're probably the biggest brand in Canada. Uh, we deal with about 1800 gyms right across North America. We've built incredible relationships. Uh, there's different departments of of the brand now where we do private licensing. We also do customization and and then we have our own brand as well. Uh, Kamor, we're still that's still striving. And it's it's a this company has allowed me to venture into other things, right? The company's done well enough that allow me to venture into property rentals and vacation rentals and and um, other little ventures. So it's it's been an incredible journey, a fun journey, something where um I still have passion for martial arts. I still love watching it. Uh, it was something I participated in, not never as an athlete, but more just for uh, leisure, fun for a while. But um, 
as as a as a as a, a fan, I still I still turn on the TV and I still watch it and I still enjoy it. But as a businessman, I still realize that um, martial arts is something that's not going to go away. I mean, it's the the disciplines, the the passion, the excitement for uh, the young generations training. There's always going to be there in equipment. It's always going to be a need. So it's something where I'm looking at a company that still um, is doing extremely well, but it still it, it still has so much more growth in it. Right, even 18 years later. Now, for you, you are uh, like uh, being an entrepreneur, being a dad, you're juggling so many hats. Um, how does that how do you start the day off like for you, for your morning, for your preparation? Because even even you talking about Kimura Ware itself seems like it was such a like a task itself on its own. And probably the, the first business that you really did and del- sort of delve into. Um, there was a lot more trials and tribulations with that. And it's a little bit harder. But. How do you now juggle everything that you juggle? And what is, like, a lot of people would probably want to take away, someone like you, how do you start your day off? What's your mental preparation? What's that process like? Uh, it's, it's Honestly, it's always changing. It's constantly changing. I mean, ask me this question eight months ago before I got diagnosed with cancer. Um, it was it was a different level now. Now, I mean, a lot of my preparation in the morning is, 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 is supplementation, diet, and prepping my day to make sure that, I, I stay on track of what my course is, right? And, and how I'm taking care of my body right now because my health, my body is everything to me right now. But I, I think as an entrepreneur, you have to understand that you have to, um, it's very easy to be pushed in so many different directions. You have to understand that you have to keep, and I say this constantly, you got to keep your own cup filled first. You have to make sure mentally, physically, uh, spiritually, if you're if you're into that as well, that you are, taking care of yourself first because that's the first thing is is being able to be at your highest level at everything and then you can be able to help everyone else around you so i really just focus on myself right i mean my my days change i mean um some days it's 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 focused on working out in the morning some days it's the sauna some day it, it changes by what my schedule is but i do as a dad um and as a husband for almost 20 years really understand the non-negotiables and something I talk about all the time is understanding that there's certain non-negotiables in my life and my, my, my kids, my, my, my marriage, my, my mom, my sister, my family, those are all non-negotiables. Those things come up first depending on everything else because everything else could wait. A podcast could wait. A sale could wait. If somebody wants to buy my things, if, 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 if they need a sale right now and my son's calling me, I'll take that phone call and I'll lose that sale because I don't give a shit. And I've always had that mindset. And as long as you have that mindset and you stick to it, you are going to thrive on everything you do in life because you have your non-negotiable stuck and you have the things that are important to you because everything, everything has a way of working its way out. So never stress out and think, oh my God, I'm going to lose this opportunity because another opportunity will come. It might not come tomorrow. It might take a couple of days. It will come. Just trust the process. And I've learned to trust the process. And I mean, don't get me wrong. There's good. There's bad. There's there's rough days. There's incredible days. But you trust the process and somehow the world has a way of making everything work out one way or another. And I've always focused on that. I've always focused on the non-negotiables. I always focus on, you know what, like as an entrepreneur, the reason I became an entrepreneur is be able to do what I want when I want. And if I'm not doing that, what the fuck is the purpose of doing it? So I've always kept rereading that to myself. Like I'm an entrepreneur because you know what? I could take a day off and go baseball with my son. I could take a day off and go shopping with my daughter. I could do that. 
because I've allowed myself the opportunity to get there. And don't get me wrong, as an entrepreneur, there is moments and peaks and valleys where you need to focus a little bit more attention on your work. That is okay. And you're going to spend a little less time with your family. That is okay. But that little less time with your family, you got to be present. You got to turn off the phone. You got to be present. You got to be an active dad. You got to be there and keep building those memories. Don't be like, oh, I'm so fucking tired from work. I just want to go home and sit on the damn couch. And now I'll be tired from work and I'll be like, okay, what do you guys want to do? I want to go to the gym. Put on my shoes. Let's go. Uh, Dad, I I need to go to the store. Okay, let's go in the car. Like, I don't say no. I, I don't say no to my kids. And, I, and, and, and it's not in a bad way. I mean, when it comes to spending time with me, it's not a, if my kids, I need this or I need this. That's a different story from buying things. But when it comes to my time, I never say no to them. Never have and never will. Because I don't want to have that regret that something happening and being like, fuck, I, I, I didn't do this with them. I've always had that mindset of living with no regrets when it comes to their time and my time together. And now um, for you, I know back... Uh, I saw the the post that you had made, and I know that you things that sort of went dark as far as the podcast, and I didn't really know, no one really knew what was going on, and your post came up, and you talked about uh, back in November, um, you were diagnosed with cancer. Um, talk about that for you, because it seems like um, this isn't a question I, I would feel probably awkward in asking most people, but the way that you sort of took this on is just, like, I think anybody who saw your post pretty much, and, and I'm not just like blowing smoke here yeah. was welling up and like the idea that you just took this on and just went fuck this and and took it on uh like head on but that thought that thought process when you first find out and then you go through your sort of planning phases um just talk to me about that man and just talk about you know where you are now and and how proud you are of the situation that you're in now yeah, I, I, I want to say I, I appreciate that, buddy. I mean, that that means something to me because that's exactly how I tried to live it and understand it, right? So, God, I, I was 45, and and at 45, and my mindset feels like I'm 30 all the time, right? So I was 45, don't smoke, don't drink. I could go through the whole scenario, worked out five days a week, um, zero family history. When I'm talking about I went through my family tree, cousins, uncles. Wow. Nobody with cancer. Nobody died. I mean, I have grandparents that are, in their 90s still striving so that was never a thing that crossed my mind i would see people pass away with cancer i would hear stories i lost close friends you would hear you would hear friend of a friend you never ever crossed my mind that this would be impacting myself never and um and i'll just give you the quick scenario which is what i brought in my post is um a couple months uh two three months i started seeing odd blood in my stool and I'm, I, I'm going to tell you right now is I'm a huge advocate now for um, screening and, and 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 really preventative action um, you don't want to be diagnosed you want to prevent this we'll talk about that after but um, it was a couple months I saw blood in my stool and um, called up the doctor and say hey, doc this, this is what I'm seeing like this is can't be good uh he said let's come in we did uh, i always done my annuals i always done my physical so i wasn't one of those guy guys that'd be like i'm healthy no i i took care of myself and uh, i went in it, it was it wasn't the time for my physical it was probably a three four months already early too early to do a physical but i decided to go in we did a full blood panel see inflammation marks see cancer marker see everything six vials we did urines did everything everything came back crystal clean like not one marker 
So I was like, okay. The doc's like, Jeff, um, he goes, when you wipe your bum, do you see blood? I said, no, just saw little strains in my stool. Not all the time. He says, you have internal hemorrhoids. You're stressing out about nothing. Cool. Went home, sat down, talked to my wife. This is just, uh, this was the 13th or 14th of November, something like that. Got home, talked to my wife, and I said, something's just not right now. Something's just, and, and I felt great. I was asleep. I was feeling great. It wasn't through, there was no physical signs. It was intuition. And I, and, and I can't strive this enough to everybody listening to this podcast. Trust your fucking intuition. And I did. I said, I called my doctor back. I said, I want to do a colonoscopy. He was like, ah, you really want to do one? You really don't. You're 45. You have no family history. I said, let's just do one. Um, the earliest I could have got it booked was like in February. This is because of the pandemic. We were so backlogged because he directed me to one individual. That individual was like three, four months behind. So the earliest was for this was November 15th. The earliest was, or it was the 13th, 14th. The earliest was like February 20 something. And thank, I'm not even a religious person, but thank to God that I didn't wait that long. And I call him back the next day. I'm like, you know what? I go, are you cool with me calling places and trying to book it? And then you can send a requisition if I could find somebody. He'll say, yeah. And I went on a mission for two, three days and I would just call, 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 call 20 something places. And I finally found one that had a cancellation for the following week. I said, yeah, let's do it. I'd never done one before. They gave me all the prep. November 23rd, went in, woke up to a doc looking at me, telling me he found a tumor in my, my rectum. And he said it wasn't good. And my world turned upside down. I was just like, this is not happening. It's like, fucking wait, pinch me. Wake, wake me the fuck up. This is not happening. And I, I, I still remember getting home and I sat with my wife. I sat with, I pulled my two kids. We sat at the dining room table and I said, listen, this is the situation. This is what dad's going to go through. This is what is happening. But I want you both, I want all three of you guys to know that um, I plan to be here. I plan to be here to see you walk down the aisle to my daughter. I plan to see my son. Um, he's got this incredible story of um, what he was diagnosed as a child and, and where he's become and what he's become. And, and, I said, I'm going to be here to see all this. I'm not going to, I'm not wine. I'm going to be here. I'm going to be here to have our 50th wedding anniversary to my wife. Like I'm going to be here for all this shit. And, and I had a moment for myself and I woke up the next day and I said, okay, let's, 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 let's get focused. And it was instant. There was no, there was no thought process of like, of I can't, I'm going to quit. There was no quit. There was, it was a pure polar opposite. It was like, okay, what do I need to get this done? And I literally started literally reading books. I started kind of using all my networking connections. And I, within the next day, by the 24th, I had already switched my diet to a complete keto Mediterranean diet, which is somewhat of a cancer-free diet, as much cancer-free diet as you possibly can. I eliminated processed food, eliminated sugar. I started 16 to 17 supplements. And I went on a, a mission because our medical system in Ontario, you're a number. And especially with COVID, everything's still backlogged. And I realized that what I needed was going to take three to four months to get. And I was not going to take zero, zero, zero chance of letting somebody else dictate what my future was going to be. So I became a massive advocate of myself. And I want everyone out there, anyone that's know somebody that's going through this situation of cancer, somebody that's been diagnosed with cancer, or if you get diagnosed in the future with a disease like cancer, you have to be an advocate for yourself. You have to push and push and push those doctors because if you just sit back and let them control the situation, shit gets delayed. And when you're diagnosed with something like cancer, your time's not on your side. So at that point, 
I would literally, and I was, I've told the story before, I would literally call up the the uh, reception and be like, hey, listen, I need an appointment with this doctor. She'd be like, oh, it's three to four weeks. And I'd be like, I'm going to call you every single day. I'm going to leave as many messages as I possibly can. I'm going to annoy the shit out of you. And you're going to end up hating me. But I'm okay with that because I need to get in faster than that. And within the first 30 days, I had booked a radiologist. I had booked oncologist. I had booked uh, my surgeon. I had done a scope. I had done a, a CT scan. And I had done an MRI in less than 30 days because I was a huge advocate. And I did not stop till I got this all done. And through the whole process, um, I realized I needed to stay focused. And that's one thing you had brought up. Like it kind of went dark. I went dark for a reason because I realized that focus is 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 the most important thing. And I didn't need pity. I didn't need people to feel sorry for me. I didn't need to be a victim. I needed to survive and strive through the whole process. And the only way to do that is is to focus myself. And it was literally my employees, my 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 intimate family. Like I'm talking about cousins. Nobody else knew. Nobody else knew. It was literally my 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 wife, my kids, my employees. Because they obviously they would they would went through the process and a couple of close friends, very very close friends, and that was it. I think it, max like ten or twelve people knew in my life, and I just boom focused. And through the whole process up to the date of the surgery, and the moment going into the surgery, um, everything I did, and it just shows how diet, um, meditation, um, fasting, eighteen hours a day uh um sauna every day for 30 minutes at 190 like the sh everything i did led up to that moment of surgery to prep me for that surgery february 16th and because of everything i did the tumor had shrunk 50 to 60 percent which was incredible and it shows how powerful our bodies are at fighting something if we allow it to so i prepped myself for that and i and i went into surgery um when i went into surgery i agreed with the doctor we had sat down with the surgeon and we agreed that instead of just going in and taking out the tumor let's clean let's clean everything out let's eliminate any chance of anything staying back there and they ended up removing 60 percent of my rectum they ended up moving 23 lift notes and through the whole process i went into surgery thinking i was going to wake up with a crosby bag i was going to wake up with a shit bag uh, it would have been temporary, maybe six months to a year. Mm -hmm. But at 45, I mean, 46 at that time, I had just turned 46. I, you, nobody wants a shit bag, right? I was like in my head, like, oh, God, please don't let this happen. Please don't let this happen. So I went in there. And because I did everything properly and I took care of myself so well, I went into surgery with two surgeons, nine people in the operating room, four and a half hour surgery, five incisions. It ended up being a three-hour surgery and no bag because I took good, incredible care of myself and, and I, and I should be proof of what you could do. So that is where I was. And, um, now God, we're looking at February, so March, April, May, June, July. So you're looking at going on to six, five and a half months later, I, I'm thriving. I'm not surviving. I'm thriving. I'm, I'm in the best shape I've probably been in in 25 years. I might look thin, but I, I, I'm, 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 46 with a six pack. I feel strong. I'm sleeping eight hours a day. I'm, I, I have not had one cheat date. That's how laser focused I am. I have not had one processed food, one drop of sugar in my body. I have not missed my saunas. I have not missed my meditation. I have not missed a day of my diet. I have not missed a day of my fasting seven days a week. And my dedication, my focus, um, is all got me to this moment where I'm thriving. And, and every day I get home and I look at my kids and I realize that this is way more than just me. It's them. It's their impact. Um, how is impacting their lives? And through the whole process as a dad, um, 
I made it very clear with my wife that, listen, we, we initially told in the situation, but uh, through the whole process, I didn't want this to affect them. And through the whole process, their lives never changed. I went to every event. I still, I still, even when I was going through the, the radiation, I still went, I would still work out with them every day. I would still go on bike rides. I, through the whole process, I made sure their lives never was impacted by what I was going through. And I did that for a reason, not only for them, for myself, knowing that they were home and if they had a smile on their face and they were not impacted, that environment was a lot more positive to me and it would help me get through this situation a lot better. So it was a whole holistic understanding that everyone involved had to be at a certain level, mentally, physically, to be able to support me. Even though I I, I didn't really ask for the support, but the overall environment just of the support, they had to be not impacted by this as well, right? So it was just, it was, it, it was a process, right? It was a process. And I got through it and um, I've done my three month scan and check and everything is cancer free. And, and now it's just, it's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. And I want my, my story to um, help people advocate for themselves and also help people understand that um, preventative. When you're in the medical system, um, you have to understand that you're just a number and our oncology departments in cancer and I'll talk about after how cancer, how the impact of cancer, but our oncology departments and um, they have one mindset, which is just treatment, 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 chemo. As soon as I was done my surgery, I was two days home. I didn't even, my stitches hadn't even started healing and they're calling me wanting to, to go start chemotherapy. And I'm like, I haven't been home for two days. Like, are you kidding me? I decided not to go that route. I decided to. Um, instead of masking the problem and, and and covering it with another poison, I decided to go to the root where, when I started from November 23rd, was find the root cause and and start rebuilding my body from the inner out and making it a lifestyle from supplements to diet to, to nutrition to fasting to everything I was doing. I was going to give my body the best opportunity to live a cancer-free life. And a lot of people, what they do, and I go to oncology and I'm sitting in a room sometimes for a follow-up and there's 120 people in that room and people are all eating donuts. They're all going to Tim Horns downstairs and grabbing because the doctor tells you, and he looked me in the eye and says, don't change your diet, don't change nothing. Just keep doing what you're doing. The treatment will get rid of it. They don't fix the root cause of the problem. And, and I'm a strong believer in finding the root cause and also surrounding myself around individuals that have way more knowledge than I do in this situation about the the uh, the natural the natural uh, path and 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 learning as much as I could. And not everything is going to work for you. And don't get me wrong, there's a lot of crackery out there. There's a lot of people trying to sell fucking snake oil to profit on on a disease like cancer. So you have to weave those out. You have to see what's right for you. And you got to surround yourself with honest, good people that have built the knowledge. And I've read six books. I've surrounded myself with so many people. And what I've learned over the last while is really cancer is a treatable disease. It's very treatable. But our medical system and our big pharma doesn't want to, and I put a post yesterday, a story like, why would they cure a disease if they could just treat it and make billions and billions every single year, these pharmaceutical companies? There's no reason to find a cure. They will lose billions. This is the number one thing they make money on is cancer treatment. And what I had was a colorectal cancer and it's crazy stat, and this is a true stat, that by the by the year 2030, 
it's going to be the number one killer of all cancers. And you know what the best, I would say the worst, I would say the best, but the worst part of this whole scenario is the impact is going to be between 19 to 49. That is the age of the deaths and the number one. Think about that. And they're saying by 2030, um, U.S., but I'm sure Canada is pretty much the same, right around North America, one of every two males in their lifetime will be affected by cancer. One in every three females will be affected by cancer. That's crazy. This is a preventative disease. That's the fucked up part. Is everything we're putting in our bodies all the time, our environment, what we have around yep. us, this is all preventative. So, I mean, you're not going to stop all cancers. Um, there's certain there's certain genetics, there's certain um, family history you can't control, but it's also preventative. Like if you have a family history of colon rectum cancer, you should be, if the doctor tells you at 35, you should be doing a colonoscopy. No, I would fucking be doing it at 20. Because if I had done this colonoscopy five years prior, it would have probably just been appalling. They would have taken it out of me, said, hey, make sure you take care of yourself. And I would have been fine. And, and I was one of the lucky ones. Because we both know the impact it had on Elias Theodorus. There's millions of others, super young, healthy people dying of colorectal cancer. And it's because I was very lucky that my tumor was so low in my rectum that it was catching the blood the odd time. If it was two to three inches higher, it would have been mixed in my stool. I would never see it. And by the time they found it, it would have been way too late. And, and do you think that's what it is? Is it diagnosis? Like the way that you just sort of said, no, no, I'm going to dig deeper yeah. on this is it maybe that that's why this is such a killer that maybe there's a diagnosis consistent with something else and no sort of no it's it not a, it's no i mean doing a conoscopy i mean it's it, it by medical canadian journal um everybody should do a conoscopy by 35 if you ask your family physician they're like you have no family history 50 is the first time you do one because it, it costs money it costs it, it, it's a backlog in the system it costs money right but reality is these are all things that we could take care of ourselves doing uh, blood work. I mean, there's other cancers. Don't get me wrong. Well, colorectum is one of many, many, many cancers. Um, certain ones, blood markers will tell a lot quicker. But colorectum cancer, which seems like it's becoming the number one cancer, um, it, it, it's because uh, there's three things that affect colorectum cancer. It's stress, lack of sleep, and consumption of food huge, huge connection to processed foods and red meat the way they're cooked. Those are two impacts, whether people are going to deny it, people going crazy with all these carnivore diets and all these all these guys on social media, carnivore MD, telling you to eat red meat four or five times a day. That's not fucking good for you. I don't give a shit who you are. Yeah. It's not good for you. But there, but there's so many people out there, liver king, eat liver every single day. No. I mean, liver is great for you. Maybe once every two weeks, once a week max, organic, like, like grass-fed organic, like it's 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 a huge process right of even even if you're eating grass-fed red meat it's it's how you cook it uh anything over the open flame 350 you're fucking you're asking for cancer to happen processed meat god i went on a carnivore diet for nine months and uh through that whole process of a carnivore diet i was literally it, it wasn't even I was uneducated. So what, and, and I'm very open about that. I was, I would go home and be like, I, I need protein. Let's have nine hot dogs. Let's have five burgers on the burgie. Let's, let's, let's driving. I got a long drive. Let's stop at the, 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 the gas station, grab five pepperoni sticks. It was putting shit on my body. 
putting shit in my body, right? And then you hear a lot of guys where um, it just drives me crazy um, online, social media with these carnivore diets are like, vegetables are bad for you. Greens are bad for you. No, there's not fucking bad for you. Balance. Having a balance. It's okay to have grains. It's okay to have, it's okay to have, have beans. It's okay to have like meat and poultry, but it's just picking the right ones and the way you impact and cook it and having a balanced diet, having a balanced diet, eliminate processed food of your diet, eliminate processed food, eliminate sugar. And then just in general, having a doing regular checkups, like taking care of yourself, being preventative. I mean, that's the first action. You don't want to get a diagnosis like I did and then have to fucking change your life. You want to be able to change your life prior and never get a diagnosis. If people could start focusing on that, the numbers of cancer would drastically go down, right? And for you, like you had this right away out of the get go, you were like, no, I'm not accepting this. You had this, this sort of mentality right away. And that is that something that's always been with you? Like, you're already an entrepreneur mentality, which is sort of like that alpha mentality, that go get it mentality. Um, maybe not accepting certain things, asking the right questions, always asking questions. Is that ingrained in you for as a kid? Does that come from your parents? Like, where's that from? I wouldn't even say it came from my parents. I, I I think I would just that that entrepreneurial juice of not um, wanting to take order uh, I, that started from a young age. More 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 of rebelling. It's like I just didn't like to take order. Um, but that mindset, um, I, and I, I was just talking about this the other day on another podcast. Is I want people to understand through this whole process. Um, I had dark days too, buddy. I had dark days too. Um, there was times I'd be driving and, and, and eight months later, I still have moments. I still have moments where uh, there's two, there's two sides of these moments. Uh, one moments where I'll have, I'll sit there and I'll hear somebody else's story that's passed away or somebody else I diagnosed and they die. And, and I was like, Oh my God, like, like I'm doing everything right. I know I'm doing everything right, but am I doing enough? And then I started looking at my kids. I'm like, God, I got to be here for them. Like, and, and you just, you're by yourself driving. You, you have these dark moments, but I don't allow, I give myself enough time to feel it, but I snap out of it automatically and be like, Hey, control the controllables. I'm doing everything right. I'm in a good spot right now. And I allow myself the moment to feel it, which is okay. But I also give myself that moment of, Hey, wake the fuck up. Okay. No one, no one, no, one, no, one, stop being a fucking victim. Stop being a bitch. No one, no one gives a shit about you being a bitch right now. And, and, and understanding that. And because I allow myself that, that okay moment, but wake the fuck up moment pretty quickly, it allows me to have the best of both worlds. And then another thing too is, is I think I appreciate little things. My life hasn't changed. I still do everything I do with my kids. I still do everything. We're going on our vacation in the next couple of days. Like I still do everything with my kids, but I, I, I was talking about this also as I appreciate little things. I'll see my son do something simple and small and I'll just be watching and I'll just, I'll get this like butterflies and like, like this smile on my face, like, like, fuck, like, this is awesome. I pre, I appreciate little things my daughter does that I wouldn't care before. And, and, and I look at things in life and I'll sit there sometimes and I'll just like, just take a deep breath and just appreciate things so much more gratitude so much more. And it just, there might be two, three seconds, but it's just, it's just, I'm here. I'm, I'm, I'm six feet above ground. Like, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm, I'm still here. Like this is, I'm here for a reason. So let's, let's make an impact as much as I can. Let's try to spread the word as much as I can to help people as much as I can through the process. But 
really enjoy the time you're here because reality is we both know that we can walk down the street and buy a damn car tomorrow you can have a fucking massive accident and everything in your life changes so me by diagnose is it was just another aha moment to wake me up and be like hey life is precious life is short make the most of every minimum you're here right time is a currency we don't get back make the most of every moment right so it, it, it's it's Honestly, I'm, I, I've taken it as a positive in a way where, hey, like this is this. I, get, I I have the opportunity to really appreciate what I have here. And some people never get that opportunity, right? And that is was one of the questions I was going to ask you. And it is sort of the cheesy question that you would have to ask somebody who's faced that, you know, that bet their own mortality is, you know, how much do you appreciate time now? But you genuinely wonder with some people, right? You wonder if they they really it really has registered with them. And with you, obviously, you're fighting for every minute, right? So you appreciate your time. Do you think that that sort of saunters off with some people? Have you have you talked to some people where people have appreciated their own and, and sort of they just slip back into it? Human nature. I would say most people do slip back into it. Most people. Because I'll be honest, will, and I'm going to share with you quickly. Yeah. I'm I am one of, and and I'm going to share with you a little bit. So. Although I'm five years sober, um, I made a choice to not put poison into my body and destroy my body at a level that most people don't even comprehend or understand or even be able to. And I made that choice, and that's a huge, huge choice. But I don't think I'm fully practicing a life of sobriety because I don't think I'm fully putting my best foot forward, and that's sobriety to me. I think like what, the way that you attack every moment the right way, you're thinking the right way, you're or at least engaging in, in okay, here's the negative thought and then putting it away. There, there is negative self-talk, and, and that's embedded in, the victim mentality is embedded in anybody with addictions and anything else. Yeah. It's just there, right? So for me, understand, like I'm, I'm a person who's at a podcast, I'm inquisitive, this is why I'm talking to someone like you. These are the processes that I go through as well too, and it's like, you appreciate things at such a fine level because you face your own mortality. I have differently in a, a different sort of way, but now it's like it's sort of it's it was my own. It felt like it was my own choice, right? Addiction almost, although it's not, it is. It, it, there's an element of own choice. Yours, it was not your own choice. You said, "Fuck that, I'll make it my own choice." Then, so there, there's something about that. That was what enticed me so much about your story. Um, so for you. When people understand how you think, when people understand your thought process throughout the day, breaking down, you know, even having those moments, um, having those, you know, negative talk, like, like that negative self-talk is a real thing. And a lot of people, like, have you encountered people on your podcast that have even had that, that had to overcome those things? You know, I think it's human nature, right? I mean, human nature is we're, we're, we're an animal of, of habit, right? And comfort. And, and why do we become alcoholics? Why do we push to drugs? Because it gives you that, that, that high, that feeling of comfort, that feeling of safety. And, and why do people are addicted to food? Because it's the exact same thing, that safety, that net. Do, like you would, eat a, you would eat a Big Mac or you eat a Wendy's burger and it's like that, ah, oh, that comfort food, that I'm okay food. And you have to really, really battle that. You have to battle that because you have to look at both sides. Which one is making you feel better, truly feel better? Is it that that beer or that glass of water? What do you, and when you wake up the next day, which one makes 
to feel better. And you have to be able to distinguish the difference between both and understand the difference between both because it's hard for us to look at a long-term goal. I want I, I, and it's not like my mind is like, okay, I, I, I do have the long-term goal. I want to be 75 and thriving. But for me to think of that every single day, I will slowly slip back into eating shit or eating processed food or let me have a pepperoni stick because you're looking at a goal that's so far away that slips through your fingers. You have to break that goal into micro, micro, micro little steps. And yours is, it could be something where it's like, okay, I'm not going to allow this because I want to feel better for tomorrow. I want to wake up tomorrow and feel this. So it has to be a daily, daily routine. And I'm not a routine. It has to be kind of a daily lifestyle. And, and my mindset is every single day, there's days where I'm like, oh, fuck, another salad. Same months. And I'm like, fuck, another salad today, another salad today. But I know I look at my kids and I look at my world and I'm thinking, I look, I like, this is going to keep me here for another five years, hopefully another 10 years, hopefully. So I, I, it, 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 I justify it being okay. I justify that little minor suffering in my mind. Cause it's not suffering. My body is benefiting my body. That little suffering in my mind is going to give me so much more joy by tomorrow. So you have to really break it up by the day and that's something I've learned to do every time I eat. I'm half the time I'm not enjoying my food. You know, I, we had friends of ours at the uh, at our cottage uh, a couple of weeks ago, and everybody's cooking burgers and this and that. And I'm there with a the salad and 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 I and I and I put in the oven some codfish and I'm just making my own meals. I literally cook my own meals everywhere we go. Like we're going on a road trip for seven days, and I'm prepping my seven days of meals, and I'm bringing in two coolers. And, 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 and having that mindset that this is a lifestyle, there's no, there's no negotiation about this. If I want to be here, this is what I got to fucking do. And just suck it up and do it. Don't be a victim because no one gives a shit about you being a victim and, and you have to do it for yourself. That's plain and simple. You got to do this for yourself because no one's going to do it for you. And as long as you have that mindset, it just becomes, it's like anything you do something consistently that 10,000 reps or whatever, it becomes a habit. And that habit is understanding that this is going to impact me over the long haul so much more positively than that one beer or that one bag of chips. So really understanding that and understanding the impact, it, it becomes a lifestyle. It becomes nothing after one point. And it's, it's a time. There, there's going to be times you're going to question it. And that's what self-talk. And I love the, I love the word there, self-talk. Because it's, it's something where it doesn't matter what you do in life. I think self-talk is something that's so important for people. I mean, I, we're, my son's a pitcher, and we're, do, we're actually teaching self-talk to him now. Where he's on the mound, he threw, he throws one bad ball. I want him to put his glove in his mouth and talk to himself and be like, fuck, okay, that was my one bad pitch. Or, okay, I, I put my foot in the wrong spot. That's why the ball landed there. Okay, deep breath, let's correct it. Put my foot in the right Self-talk is so important, and it's something you could do all the time. And it's just recorrecting yourself. You go to the store and you and you go to the store and you see you see your bag of chips or you see something that a treat for yourself and be like, self-talk. Do I really need this? Is this gonna help me? Am I gonna feel better after you this? No, it's not. So fuck off. Grab a bottle of water, just walk up. So self-talk, I think, is so important for all of us as well through the whole process of whatever we're going through. That was actually something that um I think finally got my mental wrapped around the idea of just not drinking anymore. And the level that I was at was very extreme. Um, so I was, I operated at a level. Um, I worked 60 hour weeks. You, no one really knew around me. 
I was the the functioning. Yeah. I was the guy that was going to die and no one would really know until they looked back and went, oh, shit. Yeah, he did look a little bloated, um, you know, and it, it just no one would really notice. Right. So changing my mindset from always going to alcohol and knowing like my daughter was the steak and I knew that I was going to lose her. So I knew that that was that was it. Right. So that's the steak. I'm going to eventually I'm going to lose my daughter. because I'm going to either die or we're just, I'm going to lose my daughter, plain and simple. So um, when the walkthrough was if I have that one beer. If I actually go to the store and I and I finally you know give in and, and crack that bottle, or if I ever get to the state where I'm three or four months into my sobriety and go, I, you know, I'll just have one more. I'll just go in. I'm gonna go in and, and have that one beer, and it's not gonna be an issue. Um, but then you walk it through. What's the walk through? What does that look like? You know, maybe one beer now, maybe two beers three or four days from now, but a month from now, you're gonna be drinking uh, probably a bottle of whiskey a day and a six pack and then go into the bar as well too. So that, that would be a daily appetite, right? So it, it just, it would basically, it's gonna extrapolate, it's gonna get bigger and bigger and bigger. And you gotta walk that through. You gotta walk through your consequences. You gotta walk through where that's going to lead to because behavior isn't going to be something that changes, right? Unless you change it. So you have to be able to understand what the map is that's been laid out that you've built over time. And it took a long time to build that map um and then dissect that map and break it down because otherwise it's going to own you if you don't watch it every time so it's like watching that movie through what does that look like and and playing that out whether it's those healthy choices um definitely and and just even having being being easy on yourself at times too i think and i don't mean easy where it's like oh yay we're second place we get a we get a trophy too it's not not that new new mentality yeah. of everybody wins but being easy on yourself in times um and understanding um you know the weight of things around you and knowing, you know, what you can do, what, like what you say, man. And that, that's probably some of the best advice, controlling the controllables. That's um, all. That's all you could do. You know, I'm going to throw something in there, too, is also learning to understand your trigger points. What triggers you to feel that way? Once you really master and understand your trigger points, it becomes so much more easier because now you can identify them before they're st- as they start happening. What triggers you to want a beer? What triggers you? And once you understand those, you could literally slowly start really identifying them. And as they start progressing, you could really take control of it, whether it's through self-talk, through breathing techniques, through going for a walk, whatever it is, calling a friend. It's 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 understanding your trigger points and 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 it's very important to identify them because once you learn them, you could pick them out so quickly when they're starting. And once you can master that, everything else becomes easy. What's a little crazy is actually like the what would have been an overwhelming um, want for a drink at a moment when something uh, adverse happens. That's no longer there anymore, but there's still that moment there. Like you you acknowledge like, oh, this was when right at this point I would have been like, I'm turning to this. Yeah. Um, So it's still there. It's just then you got to try to channel it into other things and be able to deal with it. Um, Definitely an interesting process, but I mean. For me, I know I, I, I've had my story. I've had my challenges um, with your story and how you've been able to sort of be, you're sort of like even big brothers, everybody out there right now. It's like, I appreciate that. Um, just, just shut up and do it. You know, like you, you have to, you have to be able to, um, yes, be easy on yourself. But at the, at the end of the day, nobody cares and, and yeah. nobody does care. And, yeah. and it's on you. And that's what it comes down to. So. All of you out there listening right now, big brother by a man who who's been through it, a man who who has the the ground that he can stand on and and, and legitimately say it to you, you know nobody does care, people do care, 
but at the end of the day, when it comes down to everything, you you have to do it yourself. Yeah. And uh, it's advice that I need as well, too, even in, in these moments as well, too. So I really appreciate it. Um, what I wanted to sort of end off on um, now for you, I ask I ask it's normally MMA fighters that I will ask this. It's about being in the cage and it could be about life as well, too. It's about their greatest fear. Now, I don't mean the most drastic fear, because as a parent, we know what our greatest fear is. It's our, our kids, something happening to our kids or whatever else. And that's that's not what I'm looking at here. I'm thinking more like it could be how your kids uh, are you know, grow up. It could be how it could be any controllables that you have as far as things that you try to be preemptive with. So things that you fear in life that you, you sort of are always preemptive with that you don't want to see come to fruition. Right. So in the cage, I tell them, you know, if they're if they're like trying to fight against the fact that they have bad cardio, they're getting prepared extremely for cardio. Yeah. Right. And so in life, it's the same concept. What are you constantly fighting against that you don't want to see play out that you're scared of? And I don't mean the obvious ones. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 time is a time is a currency. I say this all the time. My biggest fear and and it was interesting about my fear is no matter what my fear is because it's constantly changing. I'll, I'll explain that in a sec. I will, no matter what time, time does have is time. And I will not be able to fulfill everything I want. What I mean by that is I look at my kids and I want to see them achieve. I want to see my kids get married. I want to see my kids get their first house. I want to see them strive. I want to be able to go on a vacation and and take my son and his wife and his kids on a vacation. I want to be able to do all those things. And sometimes I sit there and it's like, will I be able to? And I think that is my biggest fear. And what I mean is constantly changing because I live so much in the present that these fears or these goals are daily. Like I want to see him make this baseball team. I want to, and when he achieves them, and then it's the next goal, and the next goal. So I'll never be able to achieve every goal. Because I would have to have internal life, but my mindset is, 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 is constantly. I think my biggest fear is not being able to have these moments with them, and not be able to see them achieve what I know they're going to achieve. I think that's my biggest fear as a dad, and everything else in life is it is what it is, right? I, I have accomplished so much as an entrepreneur that even half the people don't even know what I've built and done. Like, I don't care about money anymore. I don't care about I, money. Is just a vehicle for survival now. Money is just a, is just an avenue to allow me to do what I want when I want. And and how I control that fear is living with no regrets. I mean, I, we I do everything. If I if anything, my kids ask me to do. When it comes to time, not buying them things, but when it comes to time, they say, Jeff, Dad, say Jeff, because I call him the time. My daughter calls me Jeff. But anything my kids ask me to do, like, okay, hey, oh, oh, Dad, take me to the mall. I don't, I'll drop everything. Dad, take me to baseball. I drop everything because I understand I don't want to live with regrets. I don't want to have something in my life happening where I'm like, I didn't do this with them. And now I'm not here or something happens. So it's that mindset where, living with no regrets and doing everything you possibly can with them to build as many memories as possibly can with them. And at the end of the day, I, I, that's, that's probably the only fear I have is not being able to witness what they are achieving on a regular basis. Right. So um, that's why, like I said, I, I, I live with no regrets and I try to, I try to do as much as I can with them every single day. And every single day is, 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 is a blessing that we're here kind of thing. Right. 
And I mean, this past year, man, I mean, if it's a silver lining or whatever way you want to look at it, what's happened to you in this past year, say that didn't quite happen and whatever it was in your diet or whatever it is extends over time. You've now redirected everything. You have this fork in the road for yourself. So now you're like the super health elite, you know, version of yourself. This extends your time and gets you more of what you want. So it gives you the the best opportunity for it. That's the plan. That's the plan. Well, it gives you the best opportunity for it, right? Yeah, 100%. That's that's the way you got to look at it. I mean, and the reality of it is, is you've already said it yourself. Cancer cancer is way more treatable. As soon as, if it's got, if it's caught early and and people attack it the way that you do, these are the stories that you hear that are inspiring and, um, you know, positive as opposed to the ones where people just sort of let it go and, and things just sort of go the way they do. So yeah, um, I really applaud you, man. It's been, you know, even to be able to talk to you and I've wanted to talk to you for some time, you know that. Um, so I really appreciate you jumping on here, MMA Minefield. Um, people need to learn from other people. And I think that's so important. I think my story has value for people and I try to share that. Your story has absolute amazing value for people. And then the fact that you're a mentor to so many people as well too, the way you're able to storytell and, and sort of share that, to so many people is remarkable and with your podcast as well too you have so many people that you brought on with so many different stories backgrounds um this is just something i hope that you continue and the one thing i, I did want to applaud you with there if, if anybody wants to see how to build a podcast and i really need to go back and dissect this but if anybody wants to see oh seriously man how to build a podcast go back on social media on youtube to jeff knows and, and go back on 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 uh his instagram and see how he did it because the guy literally, man, like just you, you broke into so many different markets to so many different people, reached out and communicated to so many different people across, um, you know, the United States, across the world, really. Um, and we're able to, you know, I guess, tell your story and then tell so many people's stories across the world. So just beautiful to see. Um, love the, the communication and love having you on, man. I appreciate it, buddy. I love what you're doing. And I love that you're open with your story, too, guys. think uh every story has an impact even if you impact one person at a time it's it's an impact which is it's, it's that domino effect right it, it eventually grows and grows and i think your platform as it's going is growing and it's going to impact more people and more people as it keeps growing you bring on different guests so um i appreciate that and when you asked me i had no hesitation coming on because um i know that uh, you're doing good stuff so i appreciate that brother yeah i mean like I said, sharing my story, it's just uh, if there's one or two people that can eventually listen to some of these these sort of stories and even reach out um, and you can scoop up one or two people that are on that teetering point. Because um, I, I luckily got through it eventually, but there's a lot of people that are on that teetering point where their mind is on board, but their body's still craving and they're back and forth and they're battling all and all they need is maybe that extra nudge or that one voice or that one person to help guide them down, you know, the right path. Um, but ultimately, uh, stories are what we need to learn from. And, you know, obviously we want to make our own mistakes, but if we can learn from other people first as well, too, that is crucial. So MMA minefield.